feel like a lot of times people come into social work with the mindset that they're helping people. So whatever you do well as my client is a reflection of my work with you. And I don't I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to come into the work knowing that you're working with this person. So we're doing this all this work together and I don't hold the power in like what you do or how you do it or if you decide to go off track of what we agree now. People go through life-changing experiences without any guidance. But what if you had the tools available to help you in your journey? I welcome you to the Misguided Notions podcast. Our mission is to create a space where we discuss thought-provoking topics with people that go through real-life experiences. My goal is to inspire, empower, and help build awareness to a number of issues that our society doesn't really talk about. So listen in, engage in conversation, and if you'd like, share your story. That clip you just heard is from Gina, licensed clinical social worker, fellow Haitian American, about what it was like for us culturally choosing social work and how our respective families felt about it, some of the challenges she has had to face within her field, misconceptions with regard to the field of social work as a whole, differences between bachelor's social workers versus master's level social work, process of being a social worker as far as the heavy coursework that's involved, working full-time, doing an internship, balancing family life obligations, motherhood, cultural expectations of what career path you want to take versus what your calling is, or rather cultural expectations from family (laughs) and what is expected as far as your career path versus what your true calling is to be. We talk about systemic racism, microaggressions within the field, and as well as the importance of not only advocating for our clients, but self-advocacy. We really get into it, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Stay tuned for the next guest of the Social Worker Highlight Series that I'll be doing for the entire month of March in honor of Social Work Month. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we are here with Gina. Hi. How do I pronounce your last name, Gina? Onaiga. Onaiga. Okay, so we're here with Gina Onaiga, who is a fellow social worker, and as you all know, I am on this journey because March is Social Work Month, and I'd like to honor many of us in the field, so I'm super excited to have her on. So Gina, tell us about yourself. Oh, I hate that question. (laughs) I'm Gina. I am Haitian-American. Uh, what else? I'm a mom of two. Um, I married Nigerian, so that's my, that's why my name is, um, Onayika. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. 
and I've been I've been working in the field for over 10 years. I think I'm at 11, 11 now. Okay, okay. Yeah. And what was the process of getting a social degree? Because I don't feel that a lot of people realize. How much work we put yeah. in. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I started off at a community college. I started off at a community college, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I wasn't one of those students that had like a plan mm-hmm. and I was kind of like the kind of like a black sheep where your parents mm-hmm. kind of look at you like we wish you the best but we don't know where you're going right um but I realized in when I was in community college that I had a passion for so all the social science classes where that was the, those were the classes where I was really paying attention and really wanted to learn mm. um so after I got my associates, I was kind of thinking, what's next? Because I knew I wanted to get my bachelor's, but just didn't know exactly in what. And once you realize that you really pay for this stuff, <laughs> right, right, right. you're kind of like, you don't want to waste your time. So you want to do something that you're interested in and also knowing that you, you're going to get your money's worth as well. Absolutely. So I started looking at colleges and I started looking at like what fields had to do with social science. And I never really wanted to be a social worker because people would say like so always attributed social work to removing children. So I'm thinking social work is about removing children from homes. And that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do with myself, but I was still kind of open. So I went to Mercy College for like an informational session. And I noticed that there were all these different fields that um, social work could kind of lead you to. So you can be in medical social work, you can do forensic social work. And I was like, oh, there's no removing children here. I'll do it. So I signed up for Mercy College's bachelor program, and I did that. And after I was in that program, I knew it it took one more year. Because I got my bachelor's in social work, it's like an advanced degree for your master's. So you do one year for your master's. So after I got my bachelor's, I was kind of good. Mm -hmm. But then in work, you know that you can't. You can't really progress without the masters. Exactly. So, and there were kind of a few people on my team that kind of encouraged me in a, a different way. There are times where I would uh, contribute any type of information to a conversation or like a team meeting. And there was one particular social worker who let me know I didn't have my masters anytime I said anything. Ooh. So she's like, wow, Gina, that was really smart. You don't have your masters, right? Everything, everything I did. You don't have your master's, right? You don't have your master's, right? Thank God for her, though, because I was kind of like, I'm going to go get my master's. Now, wait, pause. Okay, so do you think, in a way, she was throwing shade at the fact that you didn't have it? It was definitely shade, but definitely (laughs) enough shade to push me towards going to get my master's so she could just be quiet moving (laughs) forward. And in the most annoying type of way, but I look back now and I'm thankful that she was that annoying and pressed that button because who knows? I might have gotten comfortable with being like a case associate working alongside the social workers, even though I knew the work and knew it made real, um, real, what do I want to say? Like 
you know, worthwhile contributions, like mm-hmm. real contributions that were like beneficial to our work. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. So yeah, so after my bachelor's, I did an internship in foster care. Mm-hmm. That was my lead. And then, so my the internship was basically working 21 hours a week in a foster care agency. Ooh. You're working. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Along with school and your papers and everything else and workshops and seminars. And then going to, going to do my master's, I couldn't do my internship at my job. So I went to school all day. On Saturday, this is what, wow. where was this, Fordham University. So wait, one day a week you went to school? Yeah, for the whole wow. day. So okay. all day Saturday from like 9 to 7. Right, 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 okay. And then throughout the week I did my internship. So again, another 21 hours. That's a lot. Like that's a lot of, it. if you really think about it, like it's like in such a small time period, you're cramming in all this stuff. Yeah. That's, oh, were you working also full-time? Yes, I was working oh, full-time. Full-time, not even part-time. No, not even full-time. Wow. <laughs> and the full-time work was also things that happened outside of work. So, you know, right. you have, like, 20 home visits. Right. And you have family visits that you have mm-hmm. to supervise at the agency. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of stuff that, you know, just a, it was, I don't, I look back now and I'm mm-hmm. like, that was... That a was lot. incredible. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was a single mom. Wow. So but I had tons of support. Things. Yes. Okay. Which is amazing. I had a baby. Aww. I had a baby girl, and Aww. she would wait for me sometimes. Yeah. So I'd come in at like 10, because after my full day of work, then I'd go to my internship, which was at a residential treatment center. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get home. Mm-hmm. And then she'd like wait up just enough to say, hey. And then go to bed. Like, hi, mommy. Yeah. I'm like, hi. Thank you so much for waiting. (laughs) Yeah. And here you are now. Here I am. And now, speaking of family, and given that you did mention also that you're Haitian-American, we've discussed this because we both have that. Girl. (laughs) Haitian-American. I know my experience growing up, as far as what the expectations were, (laughs) and I know that when I told my mom, hey, I'm going to school for social work. It didn't go over very well. So she didn't hit me. you with a cheap hair? I got a yes. long cheap hair. Like, <laughs> and for those so. who don't know what a cheap hair is, <laughs> that's when they suck their teeth yes. in a way that's powerful and speaks volumes. So the sucking your teeth was like... Yes. Yes. <laughs> all these things that you could go study out there to think yes. that you would pick that. That of all things, yes. And Are what, you sure you don't want to be a nurse? <laughs> I was just about to say, and what is the most common, common idea of our, fam- of our upbringing? What is it that you're supposed to do? The career path is? Nursing. Yes. yes. Be a nurse. Be a nurse. You could, you could stray a little bit and be <laughs> yes. a doctor. Yes, of course. A lawyer, even. And a lawyer. <laughs> But if you get that nursing yes. degree, yes. oh, man. That's nice little. So I tried. Mm-hmm. I actually tried. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. And I sat in that anatomy and physiology class <laughs> and looked at all those veins and felt like, I don't I don't want to do this. Right, right. And, and that was also at a time where, you, where I, it clicked for me that mm-hmm. I have to pay for this. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you sit here and you BS your way through this whole thing, you're not interested. You're probably not gonna study. It's true. You're wasting your you're wasting your time and your money. So I dropped the class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, do you have any regrets as far as the career path that you chose? No. Okay. Okay. So that's good. See, so not so at all. Parents out there, especially Haitian parents, 
Just chill. And this is, yeah, just chill. <laughs> let your children, and this is any culture as a whole, let your children decide what it is that they want to do. Let us learn from our mistakes, correct? Absolutely. <laughs> and kids out there, don't listen to them. <laughs> find your find your own way, you know? It's true. Right, it's true. Because now they look back and my mom's like, you're, oh, you're, do, you're a therapist? <laughs> I don't get, you, you do therapy? Right. People come and talk to you. Oh, for what? That's nice. <laughs> June, that's nice. But I feel like my mom set me up to be a social worker, okay. though. How? How so? At a very young age, mm-hmm. she'd be like, you know, Madakalu mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. you to look at her Conad bill. Can you help call her? <laughs> call Conad so that they don't turn her lights off. She's going to, can you help her set oh, up wow. a payment plan? But I was very young at the time. Oh. So you were like the. Resource coordinator, so Absolutely. To speak. <laughs> okay. At a very long age. Okay. And she set me up for that. Okay. Till this day, she will still wow. set me up. Like, call Gina. Okay. She'll okay. know what to do. Yes. Yes. See, as social workers, we tend to have this, there tends to be this notion that we are the fixers Absolutely. of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And it's a role that you just don't, I don't know if, if, if it's the same for you, mm-hmm. but with family and friends you're that person too it's just like a genuine absolutely you're like you're just genuine character yeah you're like the go-to for just about everything Mm -hmm. and just oh well Sandrine can kind of maybe she can help you you Mm -hmm. know I totally get it totally and so now tell us about where you currently work you don't have to mention the name of the place or anything like that but just as far as what you're currently doing and so sure Right now, I'm a director um, for children and families at a DV at a DV shelter, which stands for domestic violence. For those who don't know, mm-hmm. um, what does your work pertain in the, like as far as what you're doing there now? I know you said you're a director, so obviously you must manage a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but give us a little bit of sure. maybe like your day to day, so to speak. So I oversee within the shelter. There's a daycare, and there's also an after school program, mm. and we also uh, provide clinical services like mm. therapy, group therapy, individual therapy, therapy for the children, and family therapy. Mm. So I oversee the child care department. Okay. And what that entails is making sure that the children that are in our daycare aren't in our daycare without learning anything. Mm. So it's about being trauma-informed because a lot of these children have uh, witnessed violence as well. And as a result, have certain behaviors sometimes. So it's training the staff to understand those behaviors, um, creating programs to support them thriving even though they're in this situation. Um, and I'm annoying. Like, everything from down to what they eat, okay. I'm in it. Like, what are we cooking today? Is this by choice, or it's part of just your role I think there? it's probably the Haitians. Like, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's everything. So I think it's my... Um, it's me really wanting to make sure that although they're in a shelter yeah. and they're here because they their family has experienced some type of violence, they still deserve the best in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what about your work before that? Because I know you, you mentioned that you were a social worker. Well, you've been in the field for about 11 years. Right. So yeah. before that, I was with a public defender's office, mm-hmm. and I did, um, like, family family law. So it was a forensic type of social work. Which I always thought was so cool. I, I, I loved it. I love that work. Yeah. I really do. 
Um, so I would work with clients who had children, were either in the process of ACS removing their children or already had their child removed or had some type of ACS involvement. Mm -hmm. ACS stands for Administration for Children's Services. So either there's a threat of their children being removed right. or something is happening and ACS is keeping an eye out on that family. And as a social worker, my work is really to work with that parent just to make sure that we're keeping the family together, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like a lot of people always seem to think, and you mentioned this before, that, oh, as a social worker, you're going to just take children away, and that's not <laughs> the case. Like, you just said it. It's really about keeping the families together, you know, and however that may mean. So do you miss, like, that kind of work? Because forensic social work and the social work that you're doing now seems to be very different. It's very different. Mm -hmm. There is... Um, the group that I work with now as survivors, they're still in a vulnerable place. They're still at risk because of their situation in ACS. Right. So we have to take that into consideration, too, which I'm very mindful of. Mm. So kids that are not um, getting to school every day, we're having a conversation with those parents even before mm. um, any type of involvement can happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's really taking those skills with me. In all of that, in all of our, in all of my work, because mm -hmm. I feel like with social work, especially in the Bronx where mm -hmm. I am, mm -hmm. that's a real, that's a real thing mm -hmm. for the families that we serve. Right, right, right. Sure. And so, do you ever see yourself going back to forensic, or you kind of, or I guess what I should really ask is, where do you see yourself going moving forward? Do you see yourself doing something outside of? This particular social work. I don't know. I mm -hmm. feel like I'm just open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. open mm -hmm. for it all. Right, right, right. I really am. Prior to working with the public defender office, I was with I was in foster care, mm. and I was in foster care for about almost ten years. Oh wow! Okay, that's a long time. That's real. And then, so how long? So you did that for ten years, and then you went to forensic social work for how long? Did for you about do a that? year and a half. A year and a half. So you didn't stay that long at all. No. Is the turnover rate in that particular uh, field a lot? I don't think so. Okay, okay. What made you leave? I left. <laughs> I left because I felt like we talked a good game as, a, mm. as an organization. Okay. They were very aware of systemic racism, mm -hmm. very aware of oppressive type of situations that, um, I guess, particularly people of color in the Bronx mm -hmm. face. But I felt like when it was happening in the office, mm -hmm. they didn't know. Mm. So I think for me, the icing on the cake was knowing that I felt like systemic racism was incorporated mm. in my work. Mm -hmm. And it was accepted. Mm. Now, for our listeners that maybe don't know what systemic racism is, can you explain that for us a bit? Um... In, like, simple terms. Like, simple as simple term. as possible. I don't know. Well. <laughs> it's possible. I it's think really not. It's really not. It's not, a, it's not <laughs> it's an not easy a answer. Thing. No. But I, I guess I'll provide an example. Yes. So, having a white co counterpart, mm. or not even, I don't, she wasn't even a social worker. Mm. So, just having a white colleague look at you and say, you don't look like an emotionally supportive person. What does that even mean? Her hand and everything. Like, oh, it, wow. like she just summed me up. Wow. And said that I don't look emotionally supportive. But what does that 
And like the attorney on the case was like, okay, we need somebody on this case that's emotionally supportive. Wow. So I was like, oh, like literally, and okay. that person just took this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And the per- the the attorney, I guess, said just like that's it. Like you. Can- yeah, that's okay. Like you, but just no. We'll keep we'll keep us all on the case. Like my case, my oh, okay. my work is one thing, uh, okay. or like the. But it wasn't like you were removed from that particular case. No, though. not okay. at all. But still, to say that to someone, especially in front of like peers or people that you work but with, but there was no like, systems in place. There was mm-hmm. no acknowledgement that microaggressions happened. There mm-hmm. wasn't a plan to deal with microaggressions. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, despite all the like the. The talk and right. this is how we're gonna attack this this problem that we mm. have. It wasn't a reality in house. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So there was really no person either that you could say, "Oh, okay, let me speak to this person." And maybe they didn't get say, it. Oh, they just didn't get it. not a, not not one person from your. Agency. They didn't get it, and I feel like a lot of people of color that dealt with mm-hmm. those situations. Mm-hmm. I guess like. Then you start, then at one point, then I start reaching out to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, is this an issue for you too? Now right. we're both like, yeah. Right. And attorneys too. So mm-hmm. it was like across the board. And after I left, mm-hmm. they started like an anti-racist movement. So then, okay. so now they're, they're talking about it. Now they have like different groups to discuss it. Now it's, there's more of an awareness now where I think when I was there, there wasn't really mm-hmm. that much of an awareness. So. Right. I think it's all a part of growth, too. Sure, of course it is, sure. But I, and at that time, it was just kind of like, well, I don't want to do this kind right. of work if this is what we're doing. And that's, I think that's amazing for you to be able to say that, because I feel like a lot of times people stay in positions, I know myself included, I stayed in the position where I didn't, I shouldn't have stayed there that long. And if i thinking about it now, and I know things, everything happens for a reason, so it's fine, but at the same time, if I had thought about it in hindsight, like all the things that led up to me eventually leaving, I could have avoided all that, mm-hmm. all that aggravation, all of that stress. And it's not healthy for us. Like we no. take a lot of stuff yes. on as social workers and to not have the support among peers and people that you work with, that's a very, very like awful place to be in. So yeah, yeah I commend you for even taking that time out to like, be like, you know what, I don't have to deal with this. You know, that's that's amazing. And that's the thing, too. We don't, I think sometimes we don't use the skills that we use for our clients yes. and apply it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I love advocacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, at that point, I was like, who's advocated for me now? Exactly. No exactly. one. Right. right. Fine. <laughs> right, right, right. So then I started looking, and then I yeah. left as a, I left to be a director. There wasn't right. really much opportunity for growth either, mm-hmm. and I was the only, at that time, I was the only social worker of color with mm-hmm. a clinical license. Mm. So I'm like, why? There's so many other opportunities for me. Right. Like, why am I going to sit here and do this? And you have your clinical degree. And I got, is, yeah. You know, that, I mean, you can realistically go just about anywhere. Like, there's there's no there's no bar that's set. Why? Yeah, why am, yeah. I, why am I settling? Yes, exactly, exactly. I could have. And, right. like... And be one of those people that want to, like, advocate mm-hmm. for change and want to take on the whole. Yeah, but yeah. I was like, all right, yeah. this is the cards that are being yeah. dealt here. Yeah. Thanks. I think, I think you did what's best for you that all of us as 
social workers need to keep in mind that we need to not only advocate for our clients, but advocate for ourselves Absolutely. as well. <laughs> and keep in touch with each other. Like, yes. You know, keep keeping others abreast of openings mm, and, absolutely. and opportunities for growth. Do you feel that you have a good network of social work peers in the industry? Not necessarily in your current field, but just as a whole. I do. You do? Okay, good. How do I you do. do that? How do you maintain it, I guess? So... Um, definitely touch with all my old supervisors. Okay, that's great. That's <laughs> and I think we have uh, great relationships too because they knew they knew I was passionate about my work mm-hmm. and that that I was I'm committed to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way. I also suggest. So then I also have a a crew of girls that we link up like every other month. And okay. We're all half of us are attorneys, half of us are social workers. Oh, cool. Nice. But still in that same field of work. Mm. So we, we have conversations where we all get it. They can right. apply the, and it's still kind of like that forensic type of work, mm-hmm. but in a different, well, we all bring something different. Right, sure. So that group is called Women of Color Living, I think. Oh, I think that's we, cool. we just like changed the name, but okay, I'm plugging okay. us in there. Nice. Yeah, so we link up every other month, and we talk about either we're al- always constantly sharing openings, or mm-hmm. we're discussing like different strategies to mm. use at work, sharing anything new that we've learned. So mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's another way. So is this that. open to like for random people to join, or is it just you guys? I think it's just us for now. Okay, okay. okay. We might open it up. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'm I'm saying I, I I like that. I'll let I you know. That. Yeah. Definitely let you know. I mean. I- I'm not like experienced in forensics, but no, we talk. There's yeah. we have other administrators from child welfare. Like okay. we're all in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So, given all of the challenges that you have gone through throughout your career, what are maybe I don't like to use the term regrets, but maybe like what's a big lesson that you've learned so far? Um. the biggest lesson I've learned is to not I guess just kind of not limit yourself and mm. your potential mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and so with that said do you have like I know I said I'm like being like so not making sense right now. <laughs> I know but I'm like do you have any regrets I kind of want to know Um, regrets in my work yeah like as far as Maybe something that you should have did that you didn't do, or maybe something that you prevented yourself from doing that you always said, oh, I wanted to do this in this particular avenue. I don't know. Regrets. Yeah, I think looking back now, I probably would have been more mindful about where I got my master's and how much Hmm. money I was going to spend on the program. Okay. Why is that? Because... Fordham was so much money. Oh, yeah. I didn't take the time out to look into scholarships, and there's so many scholarships for women in color, uh, for women, women in color, of color, women of color. Yeah. Um. Even being like a single mom at the mm-hmm. time, That's working true. in um, vulnerable communities mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like another. So I would have. That's probably my my biggest regret. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. See, funny. I have the. I, I see what you're saying, and it makes sense. I have the opposite to it. So I did my bachelor's in psychology because I always wanted to be a psychologist. I said, oh, you know what? Uh, no, that's not 
no, I, I might as well be a doctor all the years of school. Right. I wanted to be done with school. And I love like helping people, I love talking to people. So I knew I wanted to do social work, but I was already at my um, bachelor's level with, where I did undergrad was Hofstra. Mm-hmm. So I did the four years there. It was so expensive. Yeah. So then when it came time for my math, my mom was like, listen, because I'm an only child. So she was like, listen, this is it. <laughs> I, I had you for I four years. <laughs> I can't do this no more. So then I was like, well, let me apply to City College, like right. a city school, CUNY, whatever, or SUNY. And that was it. So then that's how I ended up at Sony Brook from mm-hmm. my master's level. And I get it. Like that expense. I was like, why did I spend four years at a private institution? Spent all that money oh, for what? No one's like, or just to be able that. to say, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, I, I feel like. And I don't know if it's just maybe a West Indian thing, because I remember, I, I, I don't know, I remember, like, throughout high school, my mom kept saying, you got to go to private school when you graduate. College has to be private. So she really kind of pushed me in that. Mm-hmm. Again, I have no regrets, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, why did we? Like, why didn't I go to, like, CUNY or SUNY? Right. Amazing education. And way cheaper. Hello. <laughs> So I, I identify with I you. think for me, I didn't have any <laughs> guidance. Like, I'm the first mm. one that graduated. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm okay. the first one that went oh. to college and graduated. Okay. And then had the nerve to go get their master's. In so, social work, in all things. <laughs> so I had yeah. no guidance. There right. was no one to ask. I wish I would have sought more guidance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And been mm-hmm. more strategic with, like, networking, right. trying to, like, get a mentor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. someone that knew the ropes and were right. able to instill these things yeah. in me. But I think, it, like, just how you shop for the best bargain with yeah. shoes and right. bags yeah. and food yeah. is the same thing you should do with your education. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And I, I feel like I don't think my 20-year-old self would really have thought that way. And mm-hmm. I think maybe it's just something that we all just have to learn. You know, yeah. so well. With all that said, um, what do you think? Well, why do you think we have such a huge prevalence of burnout in our field as social workers as a whole? Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Um, <laughs> I think some of us are not are not cognizant of our work. Mm. And I'll elaborate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times people come into social work with the mindset that they're helping people. So whatever you do well as my client is a reflection of my work with you. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to come into the work knowing that you're working with this person. So we're doing this, all this work together. And I don't hold the power in, like, what you do or how you do it or if you decide to go off track of what we agreed. Now I'm stressed out. No. Like, you know, I think it's so important that we recognize that clients have agency. They're a whole human being with their own feelings and stuff that you may not even know. This is true. This is true. And it's funny. I work with other disciplines, a lot of nurses because I'm a medical social worker. And a lot of times I feel like they don't understand that and they don't understand that mindset that we have. That it's not necessarily the client, the client, the client, or you telling the client, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do. No, it's kind of like you have to work collaboratively together. Right. And if she says no, mm-hmm. no is no. Right. That's 
That's Even true. if you disagree, you Thank still have you. to. You still have to respect it. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank it's you. not. And I think sometimes when you working when you're working in an interdisciplinary yes. team, they'll look at you, the social worker, and say like, "Hey, look, fix it." Yes. No, I'm. I can't fix 18 years of addiction. I can't. As much as I would like to wave this little social work <laughs> wand, yes, it doesn't work wand. like that. Yeah. And if she's not ready today, yeah. me as the social worker, I have to be okay with right. that. Right. And be able to stand in that decision when talking to your, your team and say, well, she's not ready now. With no judgment. No judgment, exactly. And that, that's, a, that's a hard like piece, I think, for a lot of people to understand. And, I mean, I have a great supervisor, so she understands. My coworkers, we all understand. But then there's other disciplines just in general that you're, you're talking to them and you're like, no, no, it's not it can't be this way. They're not ready. They're not in that mindset. And that's okay. We have to accept it. But they just want us to like wave the magic wand. That's it. (laughs) Because we have it like that. But no magic wands here. (laughs) And I get it. You know, we're all working from different perspectives, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And part of it, part of it too, is as a social worker, is bringing that other person in to understand mm. that the wand is not working today. <laughs> right. And when it works, it's not just because I said it's gonna work; it's because the client was ready for it to work that right. day. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are some ways you think, effective ways rather, that you think people within our field can deal with burnout? Taking breaks when necessary, because I think sometimes we're we're allotted, you know, twenty six days, six weeks of vacation, and we may take two, and then at that point, now you can't use it anymore because you didn't use it when you were supposed right. to, and now it's gone. No, take days off. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, thank you. Thank take you. days off. Have a support, and then it's so strategic too to have like a supportive group of friends that understand what you do. And know what it's like. Absolutely. And to be able to counsel you through it as well. Now, you you made me bring to mind a question that I have. Because I feel like a lot of times within my family particularly, like my husband, for example. And it's not his fault. It's like sometimes, sometimes I come home and he was like, he's like, well, how's work today? I'm like, I don't want to talk about no, work. No, I like, can't. I can't. And you're not even going to get it. Or, <laughs> or I'm going to tell you what happened today. Now you're going to be so stressed exactly. out. Now I got to console you on what happens in this world. No, <laughs> I'm good. Work was great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. My no, husband too. He'll look at, he'll be stressed out. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Like, you know, it's going to be okay. No. Right, right. Like, even this morning, good. Uh, one of our friends sent a text in the group chat like pray for me today today's gonna be hard I have to do this and sometimes we need that knowing that there is somewhere you can go on those hard days where people are just gonna get it and you don't even have to go through everything absolutely and you know it's funny so we my me and some of my social friends we have a group chat (laughs) I also have that one person that I tell like I just can offload everything and she does the same with me and we have this space together and I so appreciate like middle of the day I can just leave her a message or a rant because I just had it yeah and she'll understand she'll get it but then it's like when you come home you don't want to have that same kind of yeah thing play again and again because it's like no you need to like 
Dial it down and shut it off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for anyone that's thinking about this career, I love it, but you have to definitely, like Gina said before, advocating for yourself is so important. So big. So much, so much so. Setting boundaries is important, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you set boundaries? I'm not working till 9 o'clock today. (laughs) Yes. I'm not doing this home visit today. (laughs) Or if I do, if I have to push it, Today, then I'm going to figure out a way to take care of myself yep. tomorrow. Yep, yep, exactly. So maybe I'm definitely coming in late. <laughs> Who's covering this visit for me? Right. You or, know? or I'm taking a mental wellness day. I'm taking a mental wellness day. <laughs> I'm not checking email. Log right. off of email. That's true. That's now true. that email is on so our simple. phone. Yeah. That's something that's so simple that people don't realize. Because in this work as well, you know, that sometimes it's an expectation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you're like on every email. Mm-hmm. I, no, when my time is off, mm-hmm. where that vacation mm-hmm. message prompts everyone <laughs> as you email me, I'm not checking until I'm back on the clock. Exactly. exactly. It's so important to check out sometimes, mm-hmm. honestly. I'm so glad you said that. So, with all of this, we're wrapping things up. But what is a question I like to ask all my guests, but what is a misguided notion that you think people have when it comes to the field of social work? Um, I think, I think when I, intro- when people are like, oh, Gina's a social worker, you get the, oh, <laughs> and it's like, you know, oh, you do something cute and nice for the world. And I think that's the biggest notion. No, sometimes this work isn't cute and nice. No, it's not. <laughs> and sometimes I, what I love the most, um, in, in all my years of social work is advocating mm. and, and being my strongest self side-by-side with my client. So that's the biggest notion. Next time you meet a social worker, don't do, aww, (laughs) you're doing something so great for the world. We really admire you. Save all of that. (laughs) Save it. Save it. Because you... You'd yeah. be surprised. There's, there's, we, we do a lot. And we it, do a lot. Often it go, not often, all the time. It goes unnoticed. And sometimes, yeah, it's cute and fuzzy, but sometimes right. it's, it's warrior-like. Not. Yes. You yes. know? It's like, oh, today, let me put my battle gear on. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Well, thank you, Gina, for being a part of the Misguided Notions community. Thank you I'm for so having excited. me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Apparently, I had stopped recording a little bit too soon because Gina and I ended up having an in-depth conversation into self-care and we were just getting into it and she told me that she's recently got her yoga certification which now she is certified to teach not just yoga but Afroflow yoga and I will definitely link her all of her information in the show notes so that you guys can keep up to date with her so perhaps if she's near you or um, hosting a class near you, you should definitely check her out. Gina was such a delight to interview. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and you guys hopefully are given a glimpse into a day in the life of a social worker and the many challenges that is involved in our field. And unfortunately, we don't get a lot of recognition. So I'm super excited to present to you this series for the entire month of March in honor of Social Work Month. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the Misguided Notions podcast.